Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Challenging. Thought-provoking. Insightful. This is God in Country. The collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. How y'all doing? All right, look, here's the deal. I'm going to be right up straight with you. Uh, we're trying a new sound system. By the way, thank you for joining the Collision of Faith and Politics and the Ninja Pastor uh, today's show, The Hidden Agenda of Islam. This is my most requested speech ever uh, this message today. This message today is my most requested speech ever. So I ask you a few questions. Does it matter if a politician, an American politician, I should say, swears an oath on a Quran in lieu of the Holy Bible, or maybe no Bible. Is it Islamophobic to be concerned? Is it, it, you know, look, if you're concerned about what you see happening around you, because you see stuff, and you see it and you know, that's just not right. Something's not right. Are you Islamophobic if you're concerned about that? Well, that brings up more questions. What is Islam? Is Islam a peaceful religion? Is Islam really even a religion at all? What should you know about Islam? I'm going to answer all these today. And by the way, I hope you're in the process of telling the whole, well, maybe half the known world. I can't, you know, the whole world listening to me, stuff would fall apart. But if it's just half the known world, then I think we're in good shape. We could we could function. So I uh, have my little drink here. Get me hydrated. Hydrated. You know. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm very excited to join you today. And uh, chat is open. Um, I uh, We had a vibrant uh, chat last night uh, from uh, 5.30 to 6.30, uh, Sunday Sean talk. That was, that was off the chain. And we didn't have time to get to everything, so I got a lot of requests today and last night say, saying, hey, you know, I need you to do this thing again. Because this is information we desperately, desperately need. You know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense to you? Well, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. 
And some people have said, well, you know, should we really be talking about this as Christians? By the way, how's the sound? If any of you out there in chat, if you can give me some feedback, <laughs> give me some uh, sound feedback. If you can let me know, uh, you know, what the sound is like. This is a whole new thing here. And um, so we're, uh, we're glad to have you, glad to have you listening, but I want to provide an excellent listening experience. Last week, we went over 622,000 downloads. Holy moly. And yesterday's download so far, uh, so far, we are looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of 44,000. I think that's the most we've ever had, at least by this time. My goodness, it was only last night. So share these with your friends, as you all have been doing. Uh, post the links all over. You know, we love that. Today's show is extremely controversial. Uh, there is, there is a, There's a lot to be said for... Well, look, I get death threats every week, and I hate to say this because it sounds sort of hyperbole, you know, oh, death threat, too. But I do get death threats. And uh, it's interesting because I get the death threats from the most peaceful people. They're very peaceful people. They're Muslims. And they're liberals who love Muslims, but generally Muslims who don't even know anything about Muslims. So you have that. So listen, a couple quick announcements just for fun. Uh, Let's see here. I'm going to be, let's see here, uh, looking at the calendar here. We're going to modify our calendar a little bit. So if you've been to drshawngreener.com or the ninjapastor.com, coming up here in in a few days, we're going to modify that calendar a little bit, make it more proactive and interactive. You'll be able to talk to our booking people. Um, and get me scheduled to come speak. I spoke um, to a group, a Patriot group, on Thursday, and uh, and they've asked me to come back to a, another very similar group in another area. So I'm honored by that. We travel all over the country getting to talk to people, and, and it's an honor, quite frankly. I mean, I, I take it very seriously. We talk to churches. We talk to Patriot organizations. We talk to corporations. You know, we talk do a lot, a lot of talking. I talk. That's what I do. I talk. So um, I think this is just me. You can tell me if I'm crazy or not. Um, I think the topic today, uh, judging from the fact that uh, I've had so many requests to do this topic, that I think it's one of the most important topics of all time. And I'll tell you what else, too. A lot of people have said to me, they've said, you know, Dr. Sean, yeah, but isn't the election more important and isn't you know, the bathroom situation, more important. I mean, we've got the government telling us what bathroom we can use. Who can use the bathroom with us? Yeah, that's important. That's big. I'm not going to kid around with you. That's, <laughs> you know, that's big stuff. There's no doubt about that. That is big stuff. I'm I'm down with that. But in fairness, you know, uh, you just need to understand that there's some other very important stuff going on, uh, and and we really we really have to kind of drill down to it. And it's my belief, and I and I believe this for a long time. This is not some new belief, but I really believe that it is incumbent upon us 
to understand what's behind, what is behind everything. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? What's behind it? What's the real deal? See, we can, uh, we can, we can really try to. Um, We can try to. Some of you are telling me you're having some problem with the sound. Uh, Steve from Ohio, can you give me a report from Ohio? Are we are we clear? As are we five by five? This is a totally new system that we're using, um, and uh, it's supposed to be the best of the best, so we shall see. Jerry from Pennsylvania logged into chat. Folks, chat is vibrant, vibrant yesterday especially. So I think this is just me. I think, look, you know what? You've got to know the story behind the story and the why. Thank you, Steve, from Ohio. Be seeing you this weekend. I'll be in Ohio this weekend. Maybe we'll do some book signings or something. Um, Islam has always been a part of America's story. You guys knew, know who said that? Barack Hussein Obama on June 4, 2009 in Cairo, Egypt. He was giving a speech to hundreds of thousands of Egyptian Muslims. You know, that's, you know, that's, this is the deal. I mean, it's, this is just the deal. This, he said this, this is, this is for real. You can look this up on the interweb. The source of old knowledge. Yeah, he really did say that. Muslims hate Porky Pig, by the way. Thank you, Jerry. They hate that. That's all, folks. You know, they hate that. We'll talk more about pork here in a little bit. So Bill Federer, you know Bill's been on the show. William Federer, uh, world-renowned historian. Come on, let's be for real. Uh, you know, everybody, everybody, everybody has heard of Bill Federer. And if you haven't, you've been living under a rock. Man, this guy is awesome. Been on the show. He's going to be on the show again. By the way, uh, just to interrupt, not to interrupt, but to interrupt, uh, great news. Uh, soon we are going to be having the great Dave Bray uh, on the radio show, and uh, he's a great friend of the show and uh, a fellow warrior, and and uh, love that dude and his family, and and so there's been most of you who follow Madison Rising and and what's going on with Dave. Uh, there's been some major changes, but now it turns out these changes are going to be for the better. Um, for Dave and his family anyway, and for us, because some big new stuff is coming in Dave's life, and it affects you in a really, really super great way. So I'm I'm excited about it. I can't wait to have him on. I'm I'm uh, dealing with his wife, Becky, to come on, let's get him on quick. Let's get him on. But uh, we, we, we want to wait until a couple of things happen, hint, hint, hint. Uh, by the way, if you want to share this show, I think the best way to do it, quite frankly, is through drshawngreener.com or the ninjapastor.com. And there's a blog section and the short links and all that stuff. Because number one, that gets people over to our website, which we love. Uh, it's very, very important. And on top of that, um, it, it's good because it gives them access to all the old stuff or archive stuff and a lot, lot more, thousands of hours of, of uh, radio and speeches and all that. So, um, hmm. Some folks are saying they can't get in. All right, try the short link. Folks are sending me messages. Try the short link I sent at the bottom of the message that was uh, messaged out. 
So uh, the other thing, by the way, it gets people over to drstrongreader.com, and then there's a thing that pops up uh, that just says, would you like updates? Would you like – we're not going to spam you. I don't know how to spam anybody, so – uh, but we're not going to spam you. And if you like updates, this is what uh, this is what we do. Um, and you can get updates automatically whenever we update something. Or if I'm going to be in your city, you know, you can find out about it and and all of that. So you just put your name and your email address in there. Then you get sent an email from our website that says, "Hey, did you really mean to do this? Did you really mean to do this?" And then you click, yes, I did. I meant what I was doing. Uh, yeah, Steve from Ohio says, I like Spam with some mayo. You know what? I fried Spam. It's pretty good. I'll be honest. I don't know what's in Spam. I guess that's the great challenge. Good. We have other people saying that they're having no problem and that sound is really, really good. So good, 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 good. Like I say, we're trying a new thing, and I, I'm just doing whatever I can to try to bring you the best radio experience you, you can possibly get. Great information, truthful information, uh, entertaining, and uh, in a way that's, you know, professional. So, by the way, we have a donate button. I don't guess it's really a button. Uh, you go to drshawngreener.com or the ninjapastor.com. Uh, third from the right on the top part of the page is uh, donate. And if you're moved by um, what we do and our ministry here, then I would absolutely be ecstatic if, if you'd participate in that. Uh, One-time gift or an ongoing gift doesn't matter. We use very high security. And um, we are, by the way, working on, um, we are working on moving away from PayPal um, and going to a different source. Now, it's, uh, I have to tell you, um, PayPal is a very secure way. It's extremely secure. But unfortunately, those that are in charge of PayPal, the people that run PayPal, are uber liberal and uh, just exasperating, quite frankly. And so all that said, it's, it's just it's, it's, it's annoying to me uh, to, to deal with somebody who tells me, well, we're not going to expand. We're not going to get 400 jobs. To people in North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, because, you know, North Carolina are bigoted. Well, you know, here's the newsflash. Number one, go back and listen to my shows on, I did two shows on it over the past couple of weeks on the bathroom bill. You have got to uh, listen to those uh, to hear the real deal. And it, it, it'll make you so mad because when you hear these uh, entertainers, you know, boycotting, now they're canceling shows. Uh, you know, all this stuff. You hear all that stuff, and, and you see all these companies saying, eh, well, that's it. We're not going. We're not going to go. We're not. We're leaving. We're, we're moving out. You hear all these things. You see all these things, and you think, well, goodness, what must be horrible. And their opposition is, hey, you're opposed to a bill that says that you can allow a man to go into a woman's bathroom with your little five-year-old or six-year-old or your wife or your girlfriend or your loved wife, whatever, you know, whatever you call them these days. Um, or uh, a, a woman to come into the bathroom. Because, look, I don't want to share. I don't want anybody, anybody, anybody. How come we're bigoted and not modest, by the way? Why Why all of a sudden are we bigoted? I don't know. But that's another show. Um, 
you know, it, it's just a real problem. It's a very big problem. But anyway, suffice to say, there's lots of content on the ninjapastor.com, drshawngreener.com. Subscribe also, if you get the chance, to our uh, Blog Talk radio page. Because things really, really, really uh, happen for the show when uh, when we do that. You know, the more people that do that, uh, that makes us makes us attractive to um, advertisers, things like that. And so we'll talk. We'll be talking about some new stuff we're doing to raise revenue for the show and and some other things too. Some interesting things today, if we can get to them. We've got a lot to say. Uh, so who said that, Barack Hussein Obama? You said Islam has always been a part of America's story. You said that to hundreds of thousands of uh, Egyptian Muslims because he felt the need to go all across the world to the Muslim world and apologize for the United States. You know, Barack Hussein is a fierce anti-colonialist. He, he, he absolutely hates hates America. All you got to do is study his history. You know, that's the thing. And that's why I say we've got to know what's going on here. We've got to know what's what's happening here because the thing behind the thing, I think, is, is kind of what I'm, what I'm getting at here. The thing behind the thing. Because the bathroom bills, it's just, it's not a bathroom bill. It's a modesty bill. And you have to wonder, how far we've fallen when this is the big deal. You know, this is the big deal. Well, you know, we're fighting over getting people into the bathroom of opposite sex. Well, it's how, how I feel. I feel like a woman today. The, the, and I said this a couple of weeks ago and last week, the fact that we're, by the way, uh, I got so much feedback, positive feedback, on Dr. Steve Turley last week. He really, really resonated with you guys. We're going to have him on more. A really good guy. Very smart man. Really, really good person, too. And a phenomenal college professor and high school teacher um, at the uh, classical, uh, Tall Oaks Classical School. So, you know, we're going to have him on again. Really, really good guy. And you'll know by listening to that show that there is most, most often there's more to what's happening than what's happening. So there you have it. I mean, more to what's happening than what's happening. I know that sounds crazy, doesn't it? it? It does sound crazy, but it is absolutely true. So Bill Federer, you know, he, he, uh, he's he been on the show. Uh, you can also listen to that show again um, for free. I mean, none of this costs you anything. It costs me, but it doesn't cost you. Um, and so, again, world-renowned historian, uh, unbelievable author and, and – um, just an all-around great, great, great guy. He was on the show. And you know what? He reminded me uh, that Keith Ellison in 2006 uh, of Minnesota, he's from Minnesota, he became the first Muslim, out-out Muslim, let's say, elected to the United States Congress. And that was reported by Niraj Wiraku in the Detroit Free Press. And then on December 25th and 26th, ironically, Christmas, um, or when we celebrate break Christmas, um, he said this to his now Muslim supporters. You ready? You're going to be shocked. I know it's not something that you just it's, you can't make this up. And this really did happen. Here's what he said: Keith Ellison, first Muslim elected to the United States Congress. You can't back down. You can't chicken out. 
You can't be afraid. You've got to have faith in Allah. And you've got to stand up and be a real Muslim. Now, Ellison, he, he was conspicuously silent about his devout religious, political, and military ideology of Islam while he was, you know, you're, it's two different campaigns. We're learning this now, right? The primaries are one campaign. The, the general is a whole different deal. And in his case, you know, while he's talking to the general audience, that's one thing. Uh, but now he's talking to another audience, and that is these are his supporters. These are his Muslim brothers. These are his Muslim brothers. So, uh, you know, suffice it to say, anyway, let's see here. A lot of questions coming in already. Wow. Awesome. I love that. Um, I barely said anything, a bunch of questions. So, but here's the thing. He was conspicuously silent about his devout, and I mean devout, uh, Religious, political, and military ideology of Islam. I'll say more about that in a minute. Don't get tripped up with that. While he's campaigning the general public, of course, you know, I'm Mr. Regular Guy. I look normal. I look like your neighbor. I look like your neighbor. I'm just Joe, regular dude, right? Nothing to worry about here. Nothing to fear. Certainly nothing to fear. Just a regular guy doing my thing. Running for office. Wanting to be a public servant. You know, most voters, uh, uh, just to be fair here, most voters were too afraid of being called a bigot and a racist. They were so bigoted. They're, you know, so you're such a racist because, you know, Keith Ellison's a black guy, too. And he's a Muslim, so you're a racist and a bigot. They didn't vet Ellison. And at the very least, they certainly didn't say anything about his militant anti-American ways. Not that that would have mattered. Remember, folks, this country, the United States of America, voted not once but twice for President Barack Hussein Obama. This is what Ellison went on to tell us now, 100% Islamic Muslim audience. We're going to continue to face them. They're not going to stop right away. But if you and me, too, stick together and we believe in Allah, Sabanahu wa ta'ala, if we turn to the Quran for guidance, we'll find an answer to the questions we have. Let me let you in on a little tip here. Let me give you a secret language tip here. They and their, guess who they are? Guess who they and their are in Keith Ellison's speech to the Muslims? I'll tell you who they are. They and their are you. And in his vernacular that Ellison is not accidentally using or misspeaking, he's choosing to use this. He's labeling as his and other Muslims, he's labeling you as the enemy. You're the infidel. By the way, I said something called, so, you ready? I'm going to say it again. Sabanahu wa ta'ala. That is um, when when Muslims write the name of God, and sometimes when they speak it, their God, by the way, not the same God. We'll talk about that in a second. Don't get it twisted. Allah, moon god of Arabia, they follow it with the abbreviation SWT if they're writing it. And these letters stand for the Arabic words 
Subhanahu wa ta'ala. What it means is glory to him, the exalted. So let me ask you this, and, and, and uh, you know, Bill Federer, nobody could have answered this better than Bill. If one turns to guidance, because look, you know, where do we turn? Christians, we turn in our, our holy book is the Holy Bible. And to us, it's a sacred text. Written not just to Muslims, but to all mankind. Oh, wait a second. It wasn't written to Muslims. It was written to everybody. Whereas the Quran is written only to Muslims. That's their mo- So can we agree that that's their sacred text? That's what they, um, that's what they follow. I mean, that's, that's their thing. There's other texts and other you know, writings and things, but really the, the core, the cornerstone is really all about the Quran. So... Keith Ellison, what he did was he went on to use the two-volume English translation of the actual Quran owned by Thomas Jefferson for the swearing-in ceremony. You know, because Thomas Jefferson, if you've ever been to his library, it's extraordinary. And you don't buy Thomas Jefferson the Kindle version of the Quran. You don't buy him a paperback. You buy him really nice, you know, archival quality hardback. Because I know that I know this for a fact, and I can say this without even struggling. You know, uh, I know for a fact, and I'm not spreading lies here about Thomas Jefferson, but I know for a fact he refused to read Kindle. He refused to use a Kindle. He did not use a Kindle. I'm just putting that out there. So for the swearing-in ceremony, that's a joke grenade. Some of you will get that a little bit. So the swearing-in ceremony, whether he whether he's reading from Jefferson's copy or one from today or online copy, whatever, doesn't matter, it, it, the content is the same. So there's many. I mean, you can't read it without being sort of thrown back a little bit. So we find a lot of disconcerting verses within the chapters. Now, these chapters are called surahs. Believers take neither the Jews nor the Christians for your friends. That's Surah 551. I'm going to go kind of quick here because it's, it's difficult to get through all this. Infidels are those, plus you all keep interrupting me, plus in. <laughs> Infidels are those who declare God is the Christ, the Son of Mary. Surah 517. Look, if you're not driving, write these down and look them up yourself. You'll see I'm not making this up. Remember the first one, Surah 551, is believers, in other words, Muslims, take neither the Jews nor the Christians for your friends. Don't be friends with them. Infidels, again, Jews and Christians, are those who do, who declare God is the Christ, the Son of Mary. In other words, if you believe that uh, he was born of a virgin, the Son of God, the risen one, well, then you're an infidel. Infidels are those that say God is one of three in a trinity. Look, Surah 573 in the Quran says that if you believe in the trinity, well, guess what? You're an infidel. Make war on the infidels who dwell around you. In other words, where's the battlefield? I'll let that one sit for a second. Think about it. Where's the battlefield? Yeah, that's right. It's all around you. To your right, to your left, and front and behind. That's the battlefield. And speaking of the battlefield, make war on the infidels. By that was Surah 573. Make war on the infidels who dwell around you. That's 9-123. Around you. Remember, that's all around you. That's everywhere. That's as soon as you outside of your body. That's the battlefield. The infidels are your sworn enemies. Surah 
4 101. When you meet the infidel in the battlefield, remember what I said, where's the battlefield? Outside your body, just right there outside your body. Strike off their heads. Cut their heads off, Surah 47.4. Muhammad is Allah's apostle. Those who follow him are ruthless to the infidels. That's Surah 48.29. Prophet, make war on the infidels, 66.9. Kill the disbelievers wherever we find them, Surah 2.191. The only reward of those who make war upon Allah and his messenger will be they that will be killed or crucified or have their hands and feet on alternate sides cut off or will be expelled out of the land, Surah 5.33. Fight those who believe not in Allah nor the last day, nor hold that forbidden which has been forbidden by Allah and his messenger, nor acknowledge the religion of truth, even if they are the people of the book, Jews, until they pay the jizyah, with willing submission and feel themselves subdued. I'll talk about that in a second. Surah 929. Therefore, when you meet the unbelievers in fight, smite at their necks. At length, when you have thoroughly subdued them, bind a bond firmly on them. Thereafter is the time for either generosity or ransom. That's Surah 47.4. Now let's define generosity or ransom. To be generous, they can either use a sharp knife or if they're not generous, they're going to use a dull knife. But either way, they're cutting opposite hand and foot off, or they're cutting you at the neck, or they're stoning you. And by the way, the objective, well, I'll talk about this in a second, the objective of stoning is not a quick death. Generosity is, is not, oh, well, we'll let them go. Ransom is not, well, you give us five bucks, we're going to let you go, you'll be safe forever. Not the way it works. Believers do not make friends with those who have incurred the wrath of Allah, Surah 60, 13. Who incurs the wrath of Allah? All infidels. So that's you, unless you're a Muslim. Never be a helper to the disbelievers, Surah 28, 86. You say, well, then why do these people have jobs where they wait on us? You know where the liberal left is not going? You know where they're not going to get a cake made for a gay wedding? Guess where? Say it with me, Muslim bakeries. Muslim bakeries, they're not doing it. They're not going there. Why? Because they know not to mess with them. I'm not saying we should cut anybody's head off, but you know what? The fact that a, Muslim, uh, that a Christian baker or a Christian florist and or a Christian florist lost everything, got fined by the federal government, the fact that we're not just tearing down the gates in Washington, D.C., it's, it's, it's sickening. We get what we deserve. Now, I want to ask you, I read a lot of verses from the, or a lot of surahs um, from the Quran. Are these verses from the Quran, are they taken out of context? Did I in any way alter them, other than my little commentary, which is obvious? Cold water. No, they're not out of context. But does it matter? Here's a question for you. Does it matter? I've asked this at the beginning of these speeches. Does it matter if a politician swears an oath on a Quran in lieu of the Holy Bible? Or, hey, maybe not, any, maybe no Bible. And they say, look, I'm an atheist. Does it matter? But specifically a Quran in lieu of the Holy Bible or no Bible at all. And is it Islamophobic to be concerned? Is, is Islam a peaceful religion? I think we need to know these things. You all have likely heard this before. I know that you have. 
But I want to add some answers for you. This is something that circulated the interweb for a long time. All of a sudden, now, I, I want you to remember this term. I told you I would get back to this. Religious political military, RPM. And I've wondered about this, how all the, of a sudden all these things happened once Barack Hussein Obama came to office. And I found the answer. Bill, Bill Federer helped me kind of put it into these words, but it's RPM. Hey, as an aside, not for nothing, but do you ever wonder why no one, including Republicans and or conservatives, because now we know they're not mutually exclusive, why nobody has ever really tried to stop Barack Hussein Obama and his insidious agenda? I mean, let that circulate. Let that percolate for a few minutes. All of a sudden, seven short years have passed. Before Obama, there was virtually no outlandish presence of Islam in America. R-P-M. All of a sudden, Islam is actively taught in public taxpayer-funded schools. Even incidental expressions or imperceptible hints of Christianity in the Bible are banned in schools and viewed as bigoted hate speech. R-P-M. All of a sudden, we must allow prayer rugs everywhere and allow for Islamic RPM. Oh, wait, did I slip that in? I'm so sorry. So sorry. And allow for Islamic prayer in schools, airports, and businesses. RPM. All of a sudden, we must stop serving pork in prisons. RPM. All of a sudden, we're inundated with lawsuits by Muslims who are offended by American culture. RPM. M. All of a sudden, we must allow burqas to be worn everywhere, even though you have no idea who or what is covered up underneath of them. RPM. All of a sudden, Muslims are suing employers and refusing to do their jobs if they personally deem it conflicts with Sharia law. R-P-M. All of a sudden, the Attorney General, Loretta Lynch of the United States, vows to prosecute anyone who engages in anti-Muslim speech. R. P. M. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, jihadists who engage in terrorism openly admit they acted in the name of Islam and ISIS are emphatically declared by our political leaders as not Islamic and not terrorism. Rather, it's nebulous things like workplace violence. R. P. M. All of a sudden it becomes policy that secular Middle East dictators that were benign or friendly to the West for decades now must be replaced by Islamists and the Muslim Brotherhood. R. P. M. All of a sudden our troops are withdrawn from Iraq in the Middle East, giving rise to ISIS. R. P. M. I want to also uh, dedicate the show, by the way, to Charles Keating IV, United States Navy SEAL, killed a couple of weeks ago in Iraq. Godspeed, brother. Godspeed. God bless the family and the brotherhood of SEALs. All of a sudden, America has reduced its nuclear stockpiles to 1950 levels as Obama's stated goal. This is what he said he was going to do. I want a nuclear 
free America by the time I leave office. And you know what? He's continuing unabated. All of a sudden, a deal, air quotes, with Iran must be made at any cost with a pathway to nuclear weapons and hundreds of billions of dollars handed over to fund their programs. And there's no bigger funder of terrorism all around the world than Iran. And we've just given them $150 billion. All of a sudden, America apologizes to Muslim states and sponsors of terror worldwide for acts of aggression, war, and sabotage they perpetrate against our soldiers. All of a sudden, the American Navy is diminished to 1917 pre-World War I levels of only 300 or fewer ships. Look, I served in the 1980s in a 600-ship Reagan Navy. 600. Now we're below 300. The Army right now is at pre-1940 levels. The Air Force scrapped. As soon as Barack Hussein Obama came into office, he scrapped 500 planes. He didn't put them, you know, well, let's take parts off them, let's cannibalize them and use them to keep the other fleet, the newer planes. No, he just scrapped them. And he set about retiring the A-10 Thunderbolt, the Warthog, close air support, the tank killer, the most effective aircraft in, in the Middle East in our, in our war against terror. A further drawdown of another 40,000 military personnel. It's in progress right now. All of a sudden, half our aircraft carriers are recalled for maintenance by Obama, rendering the Atlantic, the entire Atlantic Ocean unguarded. None are in the Middle East. All of a sudden, Obama has to empty Guantanamo Bay, Gitmo, of captured jihadists and let them loose in jihad-friendly Islamic states where they just go and they do their thing. And he's demanding to close the facility. All of a sudden, America negotiates with terrorists and trades five top Taliban commanders who have been murdering Americans and innocent people. Since the war on terror began, and and, and longer than that. You understand this, people. These are people that murdered American soldiers. These are people that murdered innocent people, innocent citizens. And we traded them for Bo Bergdahl. You get that, right? Do you guys get that? Look, you know, let me just stop here for a second. Let me let me just say this to you folks. You understand that this is real. This really happened. We've got a pretend transfer where allegedly the uh, the Delta Force, which I know Delta guys, helicopter lands. There's no close air support. Lone helicopter doesn't do a, a combat landing. It does a, it does just flying in like we're just kind of here to see what's going on. We see people on the horizon, jihadists, Muslims, with shoulder-mounted rockets, surface to air. No problem. We just still land anyway. No big deal. They kind of saunter over. They don't pat, even though he's got this big uh, big robe on. They don't pat Bergdahl down. You turn around and wave 
to the murderers on the way back before they get on the, the helicopter. It's ridiculous. If you believe that was an actual exchange of some sort, man, come on. All of a sudden, there's no money for the American poor, for disabled veterans, for returning combat veterans. All of a sudden, there's no money for them. There's no money for our elderly people. No money for education. There's no money for really important things. But, oh, man, there's all kinds of money available for Obama's Syrian refugee resettlement programs. And this is, in fact, not a resettlement program. This is an immigration jihad. And your president is using your money to do it. All of a sudden, there's an ammunition shortage in the United States of America. Isn't that funny? The government, the IRS even, the Postal Service even, make billions of rounds of hollow points. And these are combat rounds, hollow points. They're not training rounds, they're combat rounds. Billions of rounds. But you go to your local gun shop, and there's a, there's a one-box limit if even you can get them. In some cases, you can get three of certain rounds. All of a sudden, the most important thing for Obama to do after yet another mass shooting, like the one in San Bernardino, those two jihadists, husband and wife, the first thing he has to do, the most important thing he has to do is say, this doesn't have anything to do with Islam. And oh, by the way, I need your guns, American citizens. All of a sudden, the President of the United States, he can't attend the Christian funerals of Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia and former First Lady Nancy Reagan because he had previous and, look, golfing and fundraising commitments. The Bible says by his fruits you will know him. All of a sudden, let me ask you, are you a little bit sick to your stomach? Can a good Muslim be a good American? Can, they be, can a good Muslim be a good Ohioan? Can they be a good Louisiana? Can they be a good Texan? Can they be a good Delawarean? Can they be a good New Yorker? Can they be a good Pennsylvanian? Hey, look, never mind Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, wherever, uh, Texas, New York. Never mind that. Let me ask the real question. Can Muslims even live in the Western world? This question was forwarded to me by a friend who said, look, I have – and you've heard this before. I know that you have. You might have been – you might have even said this. I have Muslim friends who seem peaceful and nice, my neighbors even. And the news says they're nice and peaceful. And even the president says they're peaceful people. So, therefore, I know that Muslims are mostly nice. Now, look, I, I'm going to give you some perspective here. I'm not just talking out of the air here, you know. I've been an intense student of Islam in the real world. I've studied Islam in the real world since 1983 and in academia at the doctorate level for many years, for over 10 years. And here's my reply, and it's not like many others with relevant experience with true Islam. Can Muslims get along? Can they, can they be a good Muslim and get along in the Western world? Theologically, no. No, they cannot, because a Muslim's allegiance is to Allah, the moon god of Arabia. 
whose primary prophet is named Muhammad, a psychopath, illiterate, murdering pedophile, who made up this imageless fantasy God, who commanded his followers, all of his followers, to do the same as he did. You know, the Quran literally means recitation. Do, do what this says. You heard the verses, the surahs that I read earlier on. Religiously, no, they cannot, because no other religion is accepted by his Allah, this good Muslim's Allah, except Islam. Quran 2256. Scripturally, no, he cannot, because his allegiance is to the five pillars of Islam and the Quran. Geographically, no, he cannot, because his allegiance is to Mecca, to which he turns in prayer five times a day. Socially, no, he cannot, because his allegiance to Islam forbids him to make true friends with Christians or Jews. Now, you're familiar with the term. I know my audience is super smart. Takia, takia. It literally means fear or caution, but, it, but its full meaning is it's a form of Islamic dissimulation or a legal dispensation whereby a believing individual can deny their faith or otherwise commit illegal or blasphemous acts because they're in fear or at risk of significant persecution or being found out. Are you a Muslim? No, I'm not a Muslim. No, no, Christian. I'm Catholic. <laughs> no, 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 I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish. I just live with dark skin. No, I don't believe in, in Allah or Muhammad. <laughs> Well, they can also commit takiyah by being your neighbor, your friend, being real nice to you. Number one thing said when the uh, FBI was interviewing neighbors of the hijackers in 2011, 9-11, 2000, 2011, 2001, was there's no way it could be them. Can't be Muhammad. Can't be. Muhammad Atta was a good guy, man. He, we came, he came over and we had barbecues. We drank beers. And I, and I often said to him, man, I thought Muslims are like, you know, you look like a normal dude. It's funny, they all said about the last week or so, well, something changed. They were, a little, they were acting weird, but I don't know. Come on, people. You guys are really, really smart. You guys, look, there's a, there's a resource for you, the Supreme Council of Islam in America. To just give you a, 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 a more of an idea more more clarity, more context on what jihad is, by the way. And 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 really what's more important is takia. Remember they they're forbidden to make friends with us, Christians and Jews. And they're encouraged to lie for the advancement of Islam. To give you an idea of how far they go with this. This is what the Supreme Council of Islam in America says jihad is. This is verbatim. The, the Arabic word jihad is often translated as holy war, but in a purely linguistic sense, the word jihad means struggling or striving. The Arabic word for war is al-harb. In a religious sense, as described by the Quran and the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad, jihad has many meanings. It can refer to internal as well as external efforts to be good Muslims or believer, as well as working to inform people about the faith of Islam. If mili- this is going to kill you. If military jihad is required to protect the faith against others, it can be performed using anything from legal, diplomatic, and economic to political means, religious, political, and military. 
If there is no peaceful alternative, Islam also allows the use of force, but with strict rules of engagement. Innocents, such as women, children, or invalids, must never be harmed, and any peaceful overtures from the enemy must be accepted. You know, innocents, I'm just going to interject this here. Innocents in Islam are defined very, very differently. Very, very differently. You're you're a warrior if you're a woman, a child, or an invalid. If you're a Muslim and you're killed for the advancement of Islam, and they don't view women, children, or invalids the same as you you view them. They, They don't have any problem killing your women, raping your women, killing and raping your children, or invalids. They have no problem with that at all. So there's a lie. There's takiyah. Military action is therefore only one means of jihad, and it's very rare. To highlight this point, the Prophet Muhammad told his followers returning from military campaign, This day we have returned from the minor jihad to the major jihad, which he said meant uh, returning from armed battle to the peaceful battle for self-control and betterment. Man, that's awesome. Stay tuned. Come back for more. We will be back with Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, after these short messages. Hey folks, this is the good doctor here, the Ninja Pastor. Listen, I'm here to tell you a little something. Uh, this is an awesome thing, and I've, I've actually just gotten involved with this. This is a cool, cool thing. We're going to actually have more information on this in the coming weeks, but I just wanted to tell you about something, uh, a, a means of accumulating gold, real gold, pure 24-carat certified gold. But most people don't buy gold because they say, number one, what am I going to do with it? Number two, I can't afford a big old brick of gold. That's just not going to happen. I don't have that kind of money, and I can't store it. So there's an, there's an option for you. Um, and it's pretty cool. I, I have studied this for quite some time now, and and uh, I'm sold on it. And we're actually going to have a cool thing. I talked about in, in the opening of today's show about donating to uh, theninjapastor.com, drshongreener.com, Inclusion of Faith and Politics radio show in our ministry. And, you know, a lot of times we, we used to give out coffee cups, by the way. We're all, they're all gone. But when people would donate to the show, we'd give them a coffee cup or a book or a coffee cup and a book if it was, you know, a lot of money, a certain amount of money, but here's a crazy thing. You know, I thought, wow, how cool would it be to give them something that is of increasing value? How about gold? So we're in the process of designing a The Ninja Pastor Collision of Faith and Politics radio show and ministry gold card that actually has one gram up to five grams of gold, from one gram up to five grams of real 24-karat gold. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I know. I know. It's awesome. And I'm, I'm very excited about it. So that's in the process now. But in the meantime, look, there's an address I'd like you to go to, and then I want you to write these two addresses down, if you don't mind. HTTP colon backslash backslash www. Look, let me be honest. You can just type in www.gopushplay.com backslash. 
gopushplay.com. Go to that, watch that. It's powerful. Listen, folks, you need to understand that our economy isn't what you think it is. Our money is fiat money. In other words, it's fake money. It's pretend money. And I want you to understand that we are in serious, serious risk. Look at Venezuela. Oh, wait, you can't look at Venezuela because the American press isn't covering it. But there are people killing. In Venezuela, they are killing their family pets and eating them. True story. Not far from that in Puerto Rico. It sure would be good to have real money, real gold. Since For 2,000 years, gold has been real money. I encourage you, go watch www.gopushplay.com. Don't do it now. Do it after the show. And then send me an email, smgreener at gmail.com, smgreener at gmail.com if you want to know more. That's the real deal, man. You know me. I investigate, 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 investigate. Then I pull the trigger. And I pulled the trigger on this because I'll tell you what. I thought it was fantastic, and I think you will too. By the way, you can also earn free gold. Get gold for free. So go to that website, gopushplay.com, and then send me an email, smgreener at gmail.com, with your questions. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Welcome back to The Collision of Faith and Politics. Here again is Dr. Sean. Hey, thanks for joining us. Look, here's the deal. This Supreme Council of Islam in America, they, you know, they. I've, I told you about <laughs> people already already sending me messages about that, that commercial. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm excited about it. I really, really am. Look, so in the Supreme Council on Islam for America in America, an example of takia is is really really serious, and then they go on to say, in other words, they're convincing in their lies. And and look, you can believe one or two things about Barack Hussein Obama. You can. You can believe that he just doesn't know. Oh wait, we have a problem with that belief. He just doesn't know the truth about Islam. There's a problem with that belief in that Barack Hussein Obama was raised a Muslim. He had two Muslim fathers, radical anti-colonialist Muslims. He was raised part of the time in a virulent Muslim part of the world. He was educated in a virulent anti-colonialist, anti-America, anti-Christian, anti-Jew Muslim education. So if you want to believe that he just doesn't know, he's mistaken – he, with the resources, greatest resources in the world, in the FBI and the CIA, NSA and others, got them at his fingertips. You really want to believe it? He just doesn't know. Just like he didn't believe uh, that Reverend Wright, he, I'd never heard, been there 22 years. I've never heard any mean things come out of Reverend Wright's mouth, Jeremiah Wright. If you want to believe that, you're welcome to. <coughs> if, you, if you want to believe that, you are welcome to believe that. I'm, I'm down with that, whatever. So the Supreme Council goes on to say, jihad is not a violent concept. 
Jihad is not a declaration of war against other religions. It's worth noting that the Quran specifically refers to Jews and Christians as people of the book who should be protected and respected. All three faiths worship the same God. Allah is just the Arabic word for God and is used by Christian Arabs as well as Muslims. Really? 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 Now, big fat lie, that's takiyah. They're lying to you. They're lying to you. It goes on to say more stuff, but we got to get going. Politically, can a good Muslim can a good Muslim get along in the West? Can they be a good American? Can they be a good Delawarean? Can they be a good Pennsylvanian? Can they be a good Ohioan? Can they be a good New Yorker? Can they be a good Floridian? No, they can't. Politically, they can't. No, they cannot. Because he must submit to the mullahs, the spiritual leaders who teach annihilation of Israel and the destruction of America, the great Satan. Domestically, no, they cannot, because he is instructed to marry at least four women and beat and scourge his wife when she disobeys him. Quran 4.34. Intellectually, he cannot, because he cannot accept the American Constitution, since it is based on biblical principles, and he believes the Bible to be corrupt. Isn't that interesting? That our enemy, Islam, believes and knows, knows and believes, that the Constitution, the American Constitution, is based on the Bible and biblical principles. And yet most American politicians do not. By the way, I agree in chat uh, with Jerry from Pennsylvania. I believe Frank Marshall Davis is, in fact, Barack Hussein's actual father. I do believe that. And you want to talk about a bad dude. Philosophically, can a good Muslim be a good Westerner? No, they cannot, because Islam, Muhammad, and the Quran do not allow freedom of expression and religion. Democracy and Islam cannot coexist. Our republic and Islam, it can't coexist because every Muslim government is either dictatorial or autocratic. Spiritually, can they coexist? No, because when we declare one nation under God, the Christians, God is loving and kind. While I'll challenge you to find a reference a reference to Allah as being loving and kind, because in Islam, that is weak. Let's go back to the Constitution and the Quran. Let's go back to Keith Ellison, for Pete's sake, the first Muslim elected to the United States Congress, the great William Federer, Bill Federer. He mentioned to my radio audience a few facts that made the radio audience shudder. Remember, go back and listen to this show. It's on um, it's on the ninjapastor.com, drstrongreader.com. You can go to the blog section and find it. We're all on iTunes. We're on all that stuff. And so it doesn't cost you a thing. It's free of charge. We bear the cost for you. So he mentions this. Bill Federer mentions this on my radio show. And after that show, I get a lot of emails, thousands of emails, but not like this. Not like this. I got over 10,000 emails from people, most of which were hateful. After he was on the show and after he said this. You ready? When the first Muslim American was recently elected to Congress... He took the oath to defend our Constitution using the Holy Quran, stated President Obama, Barack Hussein Obama, in Cairo, Egypt, June 4, 2009. Marking the ground. The dilemma is, can one swear to defend the Constitution upon a book that claims to be superior to it? Remember this. Look, I don't know where you are. I don't know, you know, you're all over the world. Uh, but those of you in the United States, you have a constitution too. You have a constitution too. 
Learn the U.S. Constitution. You Learn your state's constitution. Go to centerforselfgovernance.com and go over put your state in. You can see what kind of classes are being offered. We, we have classes that you can actually learn what's in your state, your individual state constitution. It's absolutely amazing. I picked Delaware because it's the first state, but we'll tell you a little bit what's in this. But speaking of the United States Constitution, states that Congress, the First Amendment, you guys know this, I'm not telling you anything new. The First Amendment to the United States Constitution states that Congress shall make no law prohibiting the free exercise of religion, yet Muhammad said, whoever changes his Islamic religion, kill him. This is from Hadith Sahih al-Bukhari, Volume 9, Book 84, Number 57. Islamic law relegates non-Muslims to Dhimmi status, D-H-I-M-M-I status, where they are not to propagate their customs amongst Muslims and cannot display a cross or star of David. You know, you remember when the President of the United States was going to speak at Notre Dame, the great Notre Dame University, great Catholic University, he said, look, so it's to not offend our, our Muslim brothers, we need you to remove any religious statues or crosses or Star of David. We need to remove that, and whatever can't be moved, I need you to cover it with a black cloth. That makes a statement. Just like when the President of the United States and his team says ISIL instead of ISIS, he is disavowing any acceptance of Israel as though they never existed. You need to know these things. That's why I do this show. The First Amendment states Congress shall not abridge the freedom of speech, yet Islamic law forces enforces demi status on non-Muslims, prohibiting them from observing their religious practices publicly, prohibits them from raising their voices during prayer, prohibits them from ringing church bells or saying anything considered by Muslims to be insulting to Islam. The First Amendment states Congress cannot take away the right of the people to peaceably assemble, yet Islamic law states non-Muslims cannot repair places of worship or build new ones. Non-Muslims, you can't fix up your church. If you have a problem, you can't fix it up. Nope, you can't build a new one. And by the way, you must allow Muslims to participate in your private meetings. Oh, and by the way, you can't bring your dead, Christians and Jews, near the graveyards of Muslims, and you cannot mourn your dead loudly because it offends Muslims. The First Amendment states Congress cannot take away the right of the people to petition the government for redress of grievances, yet Islamic law states non-Muslims are not to harbor any hostility toward the Islamic State or give comfort to those who disagree with the Islamic government. The Second Amendment states the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, yet Islamic law states non-Muslims cannot possess arms swords, or weapons of any kind. Let me go back to this. Second Amendment, as you guys know, my favorite. My favorite. Everything else falls if we don't enforce and maintain the Second Amendment. The right of the people, the people, to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Islamic law states non-Muslims, you can't have a gun, you can't have a sword, you can't have any kind of weapon at all, really. Somebody tell me why the President of the United States is so bent on disarming you. Perhaps it's because Islamic law says non-Muslims can't possess arms, swords, or weapons of any kind. The Third Amendment states one cannot be forced to quarter. In other words, uh, have people in your house, stay in your house. Can't be forced to. Can't be forced to quarter someone in their house, yet Islamic law states non-Muslims 
must entertain and feed for three days any Muslim who wants to stay in their home and for a longer period if the Muslim falls ill while there. They cannot prevent Muslim travelers from staying in their places of worship. In other words, if a Muslim traveler wants to spend the night in your church, your Christian church, you have to allow it. Or then it becomes what? What does it become? It becomes a battleground. You become the enemy. Somebody give me an amen on that. Somebody tell me. Are you listening? The Fourth Amendment guarantees the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures. Yet Islamic law states that if a non-Muslim rides on a horse with a saddle and bridle, the horse can be taken away. They can steal your conveyance. It's in Sharia law. It's in Muslim law. That's what they can do. Islamic law says if you have a horse or if you have a car or a truck or whatever, they can take it from you. You can say nothing. The Fifth Amendment of the United States Constitution states that no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime without due process of law. Yet Muhammad said, no Muslim should be killed for killing a kafir or infidel. That's from the Hadith Sahih al-Bakari, volume 9, number 50. The Sixth Amendment of the United States Constitution guarantees a public trial by an impartial jury. And the Seventh Amendment states the right of trial by jury shall be preserved. Yet Islamic law does not give non-Muslims equal legal standing with Muslims, even prohibiting a non-Muslim from testifying in court against a Muslim. The Seventh Amendment states there shall be no cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. Yet the Quran states, cut off the hands of thieves, whether they are male or female, as punishment for what they have done, a deterrent from Allah. Surah 538. A woman who has been raped is also punished with a hundred stripes. Surah 24.2, and later surahs speak to stoning her so as to not defile the community. Now let me play this out for you. I don't know if you understand this. Maybe you do. You guys are really smart. This is the smartest audience in radio. A woman who has been raped. She's been raped. It's no fault of her own. She's done nothing wrong. It's not like she walked around wearing a miniskirt. And her breast's hanging out, saying, take a look at me. Come get you some. No, she's walking around in a burqa. Only her eyes and the tips of her fingers are visible. And even her eyes, some burqas have a screen across them. Wahhabists require there be an actual screen. And she gets raped. She gets punished with a hundred stripes or stoning. The 13th Amendment states there shall be no slavery or involuntary servitude, yet the Quran accommodates slavery as Muhammad owned thousands of slaves. Folks, I want to remind you, the only place in the world right now where slavery is practiced freely, openly, and eagerly is in Islamic countries. They're the biggest purveyors of the sex slavery trade. They're the biggest purveyors of human trafficking, unabated. Barack Hussein Obama doesn't seem to be terribly concerned about that. PayPal doesn't seem to be terribly concerned about that, that they operate profitably in countries where this is happening. But they pull out of a whole state, depriving 400 more people of a job, because we don't want people of the opposite sex using the restroom with our children, our wives. We don't want that. 
were the biggest. The 14th Amendment guarantees citizens equal protection of the laws, yet the Quran does not consider non-Muslims equal to Muslims. The 15th Amendment guarantees the right of the citizens to vote shall not be denied on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. Yet, in other words, it gave you could vote if you were formerly a slave. Yet strict interpretation of Islamic law does not allow voting, as this democracy is considered people setting themselves in the place of Allah by making the laws. The 16th Amendment has some similarities with Islamic law in that, as Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived, Muhammad said. Fight those who believe not in Allah until they pay the jizya tax with willing submission and feel themselves subdued. Remember that from earlier, Surah 929. The 19th Amendment allows women to vote, yet in, in strict Islamic countries, women cannot vote. The 21st Amendment allows for the sale of liquor, yet Islamic law states non-Muslims are not to sell or drink wine or uh, touch liquor openly. Well, here's the thing. I, I got a lot of questions about this when I first said this and the first time I gave this speech, and, and much appreciation to the great Bill Federer for helping me. But I say this. I say this. A lot of you have said to me, I, the liquor store I go to, they, they're Muslims. They're own, it's owned by Muslims. So this can't be true. Well, it is true. You remember what I said about takia, lying. The advancement of Islam. Boy, they want you to be drunk. They want you to be falling out drunk, don't they? Recently, I was assigned. I'm just going to say this. I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm not going to say where it was. Many of you know where I, I went to school and I'm going to school now. Uh, many of you know this, and you know it's not for nothing. But I have nothing but respect for the school and for the professor that assigned this. Uh, but I was assigned to complete a doctorate level uh, course, comparison of beliefs, and I chose to compare Judaism. I had to do the 10 major uh, religions and then a deeper uh, examination of Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. So this, what I'm going to give you is a small excerpt of a 17,000-word, 87-page project. This is what it turned out to be, the project I submitted. It was 87 pages and 17,000 words. Uh, I'm just going to tell you it was not well-received by my professor, although I did receive an A. So not for nothing. By the way, people are sending me messages. It's gopushplay.com, gopushplay.com. And then send me an email at smgreener at gmail.com, smgreener at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Well, the response to that has been pretty tremendous. Okay, you ready? Here's, here's just This is a very small excerpt here because we don't have much time, so I want to make sure I get everything in. G.K. Chesterton, you guys know G.K. Chesterton. He was an English writer uh, from 1874 to 1936. He wrote in Lord Kitchener, 1917, on page 8, there is in Islam a paradox, which is perhaps a permanent menace. The great creed born in the desert creates a kind of ecstasy of the very emptiness of its own land, and even one might say out of the emptiness of its own theology. A void is made in the heart of Islam, which has to be led up again and again by a mere repetition of the revolution that founded it. There are no sacraments. The only thing that can happen is a sort of apocalypse, 
as unique as the end of the world. Folks, are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Do you understand what I'm saying here? This is not in my in in my piece that I wrote, 17,000 words. This is just a small excerpt, 87 page, 17,000 word deal. But I thought it was important for you to know. Are you hearing me? G.K. Chesterton. All the way back then, he knew. Can we look at England right now, the U.K., and not agree that he was absolutely correct? Let's look at a little bit of a, a, a background here. The founder of the faith, and I gave a little historical background summary here, the illiterate I really did write this. I'm, now I'm reading this verbatim. The illiterate Muhammad, 570 to 632 CE, founded this fantasy-based, 1,400-year-old religious, political, and military ideology through his travels throughout the desert with his uncle Abu Talib. The illiterate pedophile Muhammad therein developed this conglomeration of many different existing faiths, including Zoroastrian, Manichaeism, Buddhism, Judaism, and oddly, and including the apocryphal book, Infancy Gospel of Thomas and Christianity. Nestorians, Arians, Monophysites, Docetists, and Ebionites all contributed to the mishmash of the illiterate Muhammad's fantasy religion as Muhammad wandered about, hearing various stories of interest to Muhammad. The Quran literally means recitation, hadith, that is, oral stories by his wife Khadija and warriors and the Surat, the biography of Muhammad, are all a recitation to one person, as opposed to the holy scriptures being revealed to many consistent and contiguous tethered authors. Also of importance to Islam, Caliphs, Abu Bakr, Umar, Omar, Uthman, Uthan, and Ali. Ali, who was the cousin and son-in-law of Muhammad, Shia Muslims believed he was the successor to Muhammad. Al-Ghazali, a Sunni Muslim intellectual who helped meld Sufi and Sunni Islam. It is interesting to me how learning takes place at different stages of my life. In the previous iterations of my life and work experiences, I have been immersed into the unique cultural environments in which the ability to assimilate or be invisible was a life or death skill. I have also been in many religious and political situations, including formal education, through traditional, online, and intelligence agency venues. Through unique and diverse compilations of situations, I learned what could be considered to be better-than-average lessons about various religions, as well as the religious, political, and military ideology of Islam. Immersion learning, immersion learning has certain advantages in, which, in that when one's life depends on the ability to understand and adapt within the environment, one adapts or one dies. There's only so much learning, depth, that can be achieved through books alone or lecture alone. However, the same can be said about experiential learning alone. This course was a good overview of faith that heretofore I had no interest in investing time and energy into studying. The fact is the assigned textbook is adequate for the course, but not terribly in-depth. Throughout the study, I was often surprised to learn several unique and fascinating facts that most often strengthened my faith in Christ rather than cause me to question it. The other interesting thing I learned through the totality of this course is that many faiths exhibit what I view as total fantasy-based beginnings and are sustained by further engagement and acceptance of unsubstantiated fantasy. 
That said, many could say that Christian and Jewish faith and culture exhibit aspects of what could be described as fantasy as well. In my travels and experiences in different cultures around the world, I'm struck at how devoutly the people of faith, such as Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, Sikhs, and the religious, political, and military ideology of Islam, follow and observe them, even to the point of even death. While there are Christians and Jews all around the world, dying or standing in their faith, bravely and unapologetically, it is undeniable that many more Muslims around the world are severing heads, burning people alive, drowning people, blowing people up, shooting them, and throwing people off of buildings. Having been deeply assimilated in the culture of radical Islamists, while they are beheading, stoning, drowning, and otherwise torturing and murdering people, I observe the almost orgasmic fervor that not only takes over the people, but also is invited into their minds and their body. In the various countries I've experienced, from a politically correct perspective, one would not generally describe the entire country as extremists, yet in fairness, hundreds stand and watch as a woman is stoned to death for being raped. Are all of the hundreds watching moderate? It could not reasonably be argued that a crowd of hundreds would watch an innocent woman being stoned to death by only one to three people and not stop them and not be considered accurately and rightly and justly to be extremists. Religious extremism is a term that's bandied about these days, but the reality is, by definition, Islam could only be described as an extremist in nature and practice if done in true adherence to the Quran, the Hadith, and other sacred writings and tradition. Islamic extremists take on an almost demonic nature that until personally witnessed will never resonate with the reader or even the casual observer of propaganda videos from Al-Qaeda or ISIS. One must see the behavior patterns in person, directly, to take in the extraordinarily disturbing and instructive nature of those who self-identify as the authentic practitioners of the one true Islam. By contrast, some Christians and Jews in the United States, and to a lesser degree around the world, are ignorantly described by the mainstream press, many United Nations participating country leaders, and the generally uninformed as being bigoted, racist, unintelligent, divisive, and unkind. This became far more prevalent, promoted and accepted in the Hussein-Obama administration. It is widely asserted that the racially divisive, anti-colonialist, pro-Islam worldview of Barack Hussein Obama is antagonistic toward Christians and Jews to a degree never experienced in the history of the leadership of the United States of America. A course like this could go a long way in educating the student in various religions, worldviews, and religious, political, and military ideologies masquerading as religions. I believe in Yeshua Hamashiach with a death-accepting commitment, the difference being, I am assured eternal life in the presence of Christ in heaven. I thank God that I was born in America, taught the word and practice of Yeshua Hamashiach and the God of our fathers. All of the other faiths discussed in this textbook have only a passing hope of some sort of eternity. I have the assurance of heaven. I want to be clear. I respect the right to worship whatever one wishes. I will not veer in my commitment to my faith in God. I believe that unless and until Christians and Jews receive that same accommodation, Christians and Jews will always be an enmity with some other faith or no faith at all. Now look, 
since Delaware is the first state, I'm going to give you this. By the way, that's 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 the end of the excerpt. It's only one smart of one small part of 17,000 words. But um, I still got a uh, I still I still got an A though. The Delaware Constitution in 1776 included this oath. You ready? Article 22, every person who shall be chosen a member of either house or appointed to any office or place of trust before taking his seat or entering upon the execution of his office shall take the following oath or affirmation, if conscientiously scrupulous of taking an oath to wit. I affirm and or swear will bear true allegiance to the Delaware state, submitting to its constitution and laws, and do no act wittingly, whereby the freedom thereof may be prejudiced. And also make and subscribe the following declaration to wit. I affirm and do swear. I do profess the faith in God the Father and in Jesus Christ his only Son and in the Holy Ghost, one God, blessed forevermore. And I do acknowledge the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be given by divine inspiration. That's word for word what it said. Word for word. Look, folks, no Muslim, no adherent of Islam, no matter how radical or moderate, can make a testament or an oath to the Constitution of the United States or the Constitution of the state of Delaware or the Constitution of the state of New York or the Constitution of the state of Alabama. Any state. They can't do it. They can't do it. Why can they not do it? Because it violates every single thing that they believe in. Every single thing. Look, you, you're living in the state of affairs of the United States of America. There's few currently walking the halls of Congress or the government of, at some point to be the sanctuary state of Delaware. You know, obviously they took that off the table, but they only did that because we put, we put incredible pressure on them. That's why we have to. We absolutely must apply tremendous pressure. When they try these things, that's why Center for Self-Governance is so important. I was one of the first five, uh, we were the first five and only graduates so far of level five. All, there's five levels of Center for Self-Governance training, really and honestly, the best training I've ever had. I'm telling you right now, the only reason why that was taken off the table, sanctuary state, they wanted to be the first state, sanctuary state, Delaware. Look, this is why you all are so important to self-governance. These are indeed, as General George Washington said, as he watched barefoot patriots with bloody bare feet in the middle of winter. We're talking about frozen, bloody, bare feet in the Valley Forge winter fields and walking through the woods, bleeding and frozen, yet they still went to fight. These are indeed barefoot in the snow days. Look, I, I think it's important. I'm, I'm already getting hate mail, believe it or not. This is, this, is, uh, this is funny to me. A lot of people, just they just don't want to know. They don't want to know the truth. They just, they just don't want to know the truth. Here's the thing. Here's the crazy, crazy thing. And, and I, I want you to understand this as my audience. At the very least, I want you to understand this. You say, look, I, I'm friends with people who are Muslim. I'm in their home. They don't dress weird. They don't look weird. They don't talk weird. 
no swords and the you know there's none of that. I don't think it's fair, Doctor Sean Ninja Pastor. I don't think it's fair that you keep saying that to be a good Muslim. Well, they're good Muslims. They're good people, and they're Muslim. They happen to be Muslim. They're good people. They're good neighbors. I don't understand why you're, you know, why are you being so mean toward Islam? Look around. Pay attention, folks. Takiyah, lying for the advancement of Islam. Now, what are, you, what, what are you saying, Dr. Sean? What should we do with these Muslims that are all around us? What should we say? Man, do you understand? Do you understand that I'm not advocating harming them? But let me tell you what. All those people who have neighbors that are Muslims, I don't want you to throw rocks through their windows. I don't want you to spray paint things. Don't be a chicken. Don't spray paint things on their cars, but pay attention. You had better pay attention. Listen, as my good friend uh, Jerry points out, Jerry from Pennsylvania, there are more black Muslims in U.S. prisons being recruited for jihad than you can possibly imagine. And if they don't dress weird now, they're not good Muslims. And they are a target of good Muslims. I, I want to talk really quickly about the LGBT movement and the fact that they are in the crosshairs. But they are absolutely being used by Islam. The liberals are being used by Islam because we're suckers. Oh, I want everybody, I want everyone to just get along and just be, you know, part of this universe. The universe smiles on you. The universe is good. And if you think good, good will come to you in the universe. Man, you need a whole dose of reality because that's not how it works. They're using you. They're using the LGBT community because, let me tell you what, they know that you're not a threat to them, but they know people like me and people like in my audience are a threat to them because we know the truth and we share the truth. That's what we do. We share the truth. Look, folks, I'm just going to tell you right now, you know the state of affairs in the United States of America. We are in virtual decline. That's why I talked about gold earlier in a way of acquiring gold. Fiat, fiat currency is a joke. Acquiring guns and ammunition. Look, if you're not a person who has a mental state to own a gun, don't buy a gun. Buy a gun legally. I'm not advocating any sort of illegal insurrection, none of that stuff. But if you are a sound mind and body, get you a gun and get you good training. And then get you second call defense protection. Go to the website, theninjapastor.com. Click on the banner. It's cheap. But it's priceless. I wouldn't go anywhere without it. I'm telling you right now, there's no way in the world I would go without it. Look, folks, you've got to recognize that we're being entertained to death here in the United States of America. Entertained to death. And I'm going to tell you this. The very fact that we don't know a country that heretofore we had a lot of involvement with, Venezuela, Families are killing and eating their pets because there's no food. You say, how could that be? They have tons of 
black gold in the ground. They've got Earl all up in the ground. How could they be? Well, ask yourself, why do Muslims live in the sand, in tents in the sand, if there's so much wealth underneath their feet? Funny fact, if it weren't for Americans teaching them how to get the oil, in fact, in many cases, getting the oil out of the ground, they wouldn't have the wealth that they had. Folks, you've got to understand, and you've got to take this in as reality. They're not interested in living the way you live. They're not interested in in adapting to, we'll just say American. I know we have people from all over the country. We have a bunch of people now from Belgium and France. We have a bunch of people in the U.K. By the way, hello to the United States Navy SEALs. At the end, I'm going to have a tribute. Navy SEAL Charles Keating IV. Long live the Brotherhood. Look, I, I advocate knowledge, not so you can brag about knowing more than the next guy. I advocate building your wisdom and building your knowledge and acting upon it. Because quite frankly, if you don't know, you're in deep, deep trouble. Because, look, they, they've ruined every country. This is so funny that my buddy Steve from Ohio has popped this up on chat. They want to spread the disease, their disease, the disease that is Islam, here, and they want to ruin another country. Look, they're ruining the U.K. They're ruining France. They've ruined Belgium. They want to ruin Greece. And Greece was well on its way already. There's no place in the world where Muslims have ever gone and made it better. That's not what they want. If somebody asked me the other day, a really good friend asked me the other day, well, then why would they do this? If, why do they want to end the world? Why, why do the Iranians want to end the world? That doesn't make any sense. Who wants to ruin the world that they live in? Don't you want capitalism and wealth and all that stuff? Don't you want that? Why wouldn't you want that? So why would they ruin their own country? Barack Hussein Obama, why would he get into office to ruin the country? That doesn't make any sense. Why do, why do Iranians want to end the world? Because that's what they believe, that you, you are working from beliefs that are Western uh, Judeo-Christian beliefs that you say, hey, we make this place better. We do the right things. We do good things. Good to us and good to the Muslim is totally a different thing. Innocent to us and innocent to a Muslim, totally a good thing. Truth and justice, totally a different thing to a Muslim. So you're talking another language. You're talking a language they don't understand. They don't want to understand. Do you understand this? You see, this is the place that we're in, in the United States of America. This is, this is for real. This is for real. This is where we are right now. And it's a bad place. You say, uh, people say to me, they say, look, Dr. Sean, I just don't believe it's as bad as you say. I don't, I don't believe it. Or, or we'd be seeing it. We 
We'd be living it. We'd be seeing it. It'd be obvious, really. The devil, Satan, the enemy, the dark one, he doesn't need to turn you all the way around. You know what he needs you to do? He needs you to veer just a little bit, a tiny, tiny bit. A tiny, tiny bit. That's all he needs. He doesn't need a big change. He doesn't need a 180-degree turn. He doesn't need you to be about face. He doesn't need you to turn 45 degrees. He just needs you to veer just a tiny bit. That's how he works. You say, well, are you comparing Islam and the devil? Yes, I am. I don't know if you missed this, but I, I described, I didn't call him, I described him as he is. Muhammad was a murderous, insane pedophile. And the religious, political, and military ideology of Islam not only allows that, but encourages it. Nine years old, six years old. And folks, if you don't have a problem with that, man, you say, well, we've got to respect their culture. No, it's not for me. I, don't, I wouldn't like it, but we've got to respect their culture. They've got to be allowed to have their own culture. That's just not right that we tell them what to do. Really? Because in our my culture is I don't want to go into the bathroom. Yeah, the question is, Jerry from Pennsylvania, how much of the Quran did Khadija, Khadija write? One of Muhammad's wives. Because he's an illiterate, by the way. She wrote all of it. And he had no way to say, hey, I like this. Yeah, you did a good job here, but that's not exactly what I said here, so let's change that a little bit. You know why he didn't do that? He didn't do it because he couldn't read and he couldn't write. Not that it would have been any better. Look, because you don't hear the sabers rattling in your own backyard, folks, doesn't mean they're not coming. You say, well, you're just a, a scare tactic. You're a warmonger. Well, look, if it takes you calling me a warmonger and me accepting that I'm a warmonger, okay. If, if that's what it takes to have you accept the truth, man, I'll take it. I'll take it. I talk so much about self-governance and the Center for Self-Governance. I talk so much about that for a reason. The reason is, until we understand and we are mutually pledged to keep the republic together, pledged to one another, we're going to fail every time. Every single time. Look, I'm, I'm here to spread the truth. And I do my dead level best every single week, every single week, to scour information sources and truth sources, to sift sift away what is not true, and to speak what is true. And I'll tell you right now, it costs me a lot of money, and, and it ain't easy. And I take a lot of risk doing it. Not to, I don't want you to feel sorry for me. This is what I'm called to do. Because I look around our country, and I see people living in a fog a fog, an utter fog. And I think to myself, and I say during my speeches, holy moly, people, you have absolutely got to be kidding me now. How in the world, how in the world could you ever, ever 
allow that. How could you do it? I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give you some real reality here. I'm going to give you some real reality. And it's important that you understand the cost. Look, you go to you go to you go to any any of the places in the world that are controlled by Islam and you will see you will absolutely see they hate you with a passion. You cannot imagine. But let me also say this. Americans are dying fighting Islam while you're here safe in your home. Your life goes on as though nothing happened. Meanwhile, thousands of people line the streets of California's Coronado Island on Friday and stood silently as the hearse carrying the body of fallen Navy SEAL Charles H. Keating IV passed by in funeral procession. He was a petty officer first class who was shot and killed during a May 3rd battle with ISIS. He was posthumously promoted to chief petty officer. Chief Petty Officer Charles Keating IV, brother William, is also a United States Navy field. Listen, folks, that's the cost. Go to Arlington, Virginia. Walk acres and acres of crosses. And tell me that it's not worth. I, I'll, I'll answer it for you. It's not their their deaths are not worth our level of engagement, our level of outrage. It's not. It's worth way more, because we are woefully failing them. Woefully failing them. The show is dedicated to Charles, Chief Petty Officer Charles Keating the Fourth died May 3rd, 2016, standing for freedom and liberty. I'm going to ask you, are you worth their sacrifice? Are you worth his sacrifice? Are you worth his family's tears that will never go away?
Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at the ninja pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www.drseangreener.com. In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 